welcome to Time Limit. Today, I've enlisted Rachel Gertz from the Digital PM-focused apprenticeship program called Louder Than 10. Rachel's here to talk to me all about project management education. But this conversation isn't just your run-of-the-mill chat about getting the PMP. It's much bigger than that. See, Rachel and I started to talk about education. Then it ended up that we started to talk about the future of PM and where we see the profile of the project manager going. But there are tons of resources and tactics to also pick up in the interview as well. So check it out. Hey, Rachel, thanks so much for joining me on Time Limit today. Hey, how's it going, Brett? It's going well. I'm so excited to have this conversation for you. I feel like there are tons of resources for people who are looking to get into project management. And I think over the past few years, those resources seem to have grown. So I'm really excited to dig into this and share a bunch of ideas and resources with our listeners. So let's kind of start at the top, and it's going to be a little bit about you. Um, so I, I personally feel like I'd classify myself as a self-taught PM. You know, I've done a bunch of trainings and a couple of certifications in my career as a project manager. But I pretty much jumped into PM without any formal education um, and really with kind of a background in creative, which don't really match up well. Um, but, you know, I got there through some education through myself, through other organizations. And I'm just curious, how did you get into PM and, and what got you to the point you're at today? Yeah, I think we kind of have a similar story. Um, so I graduated as a trained teacher uh, with a five-year program. And I think when I got out, I just had a lot of disenchantment um, teaching in brick buildings and like an old school system, right? It was like, I just wasn't into telling kids what to think and stuff. So um, basically then I did odd jobs. I did like a clerk and I was content strategy uh, focused and I was self-taught. And then really it ended up being about managing projects as a freelancer. Like we, we sold our things and we ended up in an RV. I think we talked about that a little while back, but just traveling around and managing remotely. So um, kind of carrying the hat of a PM, or I guess I should say wearing the hat of a PM and then also wearing the, like the role of a business owner, it was just noticing like there's a huge gap between what those groups think the other groups do. So that's where I think I fell into it. Just wanting to soak up all that knowledge and trying to support people. That makes sense. It sounds like a lot of kind of you becoming a PM was a matter of fact that you're getting things done and you had to be the person to manage those things. Yeah, for sure. Right. And, and like when you say having to get those things done, it's like, how, where does a PM's role start and stop? Yeah. That's the biggest question. Right. And it's so confusing if you don't have, you know, any sort of supporter training and, and the community's there to answer questions, but a lot of them don't even know. So yeah, it's really interesting. That's a really good point. I think that's probably why I think that all project managers or maybe not even all project managers, all people kind of in business should have some understanding of project management because those skills help you to be good at what you're doing, no matter what that thing is. Heck yes. I would completely support that. Like no matter what job title you you have, I think that this is going to be one of those skill sets that just serves you a lifetime and it makes you better at any kind of job. Totally agree. All right. So let's talk about work a little bit more. So I recently asked this question on Twitter and got some really interesting responses. Um, and I, I'm interested to hear your thought on this. So what are the things you wish someone had told you about project management before kind of taking on your first project or even feeling like, okay, I'm a project manager now? 
Um, so I'm going to start dark, then go light. Um, I think <laughs> the first thing that I that I would have loved to know is how lonely it could be um, and that how most of the time you'll feel like an imposter because, again, you're always trying to figure out if there's information that's just outside of your grasp. It's like, how do I get that? Or how do I make sure I know what I need to know? Because, again, I don't know if you, you know we both have the same similar path where it's like we're not um, PMP trained, right? So that, that whole conversation around like, well, what should we be doing in this really weird online environment was just, it was really lonely. Um, so that was, that was the dark part. Um, but just like, I think in terms of, um, you know, not focusing so much on, did you do the right process? Did you get the right tasks? Did you, you know, ask the important, well, important questions are valuable, but in terms of, um, looking at what, what you're doing, like the big picture is really about solving problems together, like creatively, right? Using your creativity, getting that alignment that you need and like just making sure that you're going to clear the path for your, for your team instead of just being like, Hey, did you do the thing? <laughs> yeah. Like, so, so it sounds like what you're saying is there's really no right or wrong answer. Like, sure. You can go read the book and you can do it that way, but there are a lot of different ways that you can manage a project or manage a team. Yeah. And I think personality wise, like, you know, there's always this thing of, of like the personality of a PM and what that needs to be. And honestly, you can, you can have a range of communication styles, but it's just understanding, okay, if I communicate like this and my teammate communicates like that, where's the middle point and how do I actually, um, reframe this conversation or reframe the work that needs to get done here? So yeah, I don't like, I don't like boxes, man. I <laughs> totally boxes. agree with you. <laughs> don't stick me in a box cause I'm going to break out of it no matter what. That's right. Don't box me in. <laughs> and maybe that's where we're a little bit different as PMs, but I think that's okay. Yeah, me too. I like it. I, I mean, I like pushing people in the direction to kind of think for themselves and come up with processes and tools that, that make sense for them. So I'm all for yeah. it. So uh, there's kind of this, this thing in project management, like there's a conversation about what is a junior PM versus a mid-level PM versus a more experienced PM. Um, and I'm kind of interested in the types of things that the more experienced project managers should be doing, because I feel like at some point you could feel like you've mastered PM, right? But then mm -hmm. like a new project will come up with a whole new set of challenges and then you end up feeling like you're not, you'll never master it. Um, so I'm curious, like, what are the things that you think senior PMs should be doing to kind of continuously learn and get better in their job? One of the one of the things I started kind of keeping an eye on was noticing when our apprentices were um, asking, you know, kind of questions that helped bring in better projects. So better as in they were healthier, they were more aligned, they actually helped drive the business in the right direction. So I really think having some knowledge of either business development or business analysis is actually really, really valuable. And I know that sort of puts them into more of like a producer or a BA role, like a crossover role, but I do see this actually popping up more and more in terms of job descriptions um, and just like general needs for, for how you need to function as a, a producer or project manager. So I don't know if you noticed that one too, but yeah, I mean, I feel like uh, I, we're we're totally in agreement here, and that's not surprising at all. I, I do think that what I personally have been pushing from the digital project management community side is being more strategic, having yeah. more of a part in defining goals, like a business analyst might do, um, mm -hmm. but then also using those goals and acting on those goals to to form a process, to make decisions, to lead conversations in the right direction. I feel like that's really critical for any PM in any industry just to have knowledge of the business, like you said, but then also to have the confidence 
to act on that knowledge and use that knowledge in ways that will push a project forward. Yeah. And actually, when you when you say it like that, when you think about companies who would prefer to have a tactical PM over a strategic PM, you got to start wondering like how that those organizations are communicating about their mission and goals, right? Because um, you want someone who's going to be able to look ahead, not just look in the rearview mirror and be like, oh, that happened. So I, I do think that that's super valuable. Um, I don't know, too. I think uh, another thing that comes to mind is just like getting better at gathering requirements and actually knowing how to talk about those. Like, Mm -hmm. how do you, you know, how do you ask your devs what you need to build and, and then put it into language that actually works, not just for them, for you, but also for any other stakeholders on your project. Yeah, I totally agree that like that fluency on how things work, how people work and basically how you can drive to getting a project done. To me, that's indicative of a more senior person. They're not relying on a task list or a checklist of things to get through and just checking in on those things. They're, they're being more active about the project work. Exactly. And I think too, that flows right into, um, what I'd say would be related to like being able to deliver that information. So I, I, I think public speaking or having some, like just a lot of practice for delivery in terms of how you present that information, like making sure you don't just have a flat tone as a project manager. It just gets <laughs> so like, like you're basically presenting the face of your organization, right? Whenever you're doing these presentations and conversations. So I think it, it ties right back to that, that piece that you just mentioned. I totally agree. So another big question that comes up from PMs of all experiences is about certification, right? Like you already mentioned the PMP certification, but generally I think people want to know if the certification, whether it's for PMP or within Agile, whether it's worth their time, worth their money. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. I, I have my beliefs, but I'm curious to see if we're aligned here. Yeah. So uh, I remember reading that you're, you know, with a PMP certification, for example, you might get like a 15% pay bump and that's great. Right. Um, But I think interestingly too, depending on the type of organization you're in, uh, sometimes having something that's standardized learning, like a PMP can actually put like a black mark on your resume or on your hiring process. So uh, not too long ago, we were in a meetup and um, the panelists at the meetup were talking about, um, would you would you actually hire someone who is PMP trained? And um, this was a lot of, um, there were some marketing companies and product companies and then a, a, quite a few agencies. And they were all like, no, we wouldn't. 80% of them were like, we wouldn't. Really? And, and hmm. it, it, yeah, it all came back to adaptability and like, are you just going to follow a process or are you actually going to think about what problem you need to solve? And so I, I think what can happen, and this is just totally like, I'm not knocking you know, a PMP or anything. Of not. It's just looking at it in terms of like flexibility and um, kind of, again, that strategic thinking, like, are you going to get locked into a process or are you going to look at what's available to you and think on your feet? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I've heard that in the past too about digital folks and I get it. Like the, the PMP isn't a necessary thing and, and I understand why it might give someone pause before hiring someone. To me, the way that I look at certifications is that you you have to think about that person and what they've been certified in and how they're using it. I think the idea of just learning and get a certi- getting a certification uh, to help you to advance in your career is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I think people should use every opportunity to, to continue learning within their career, whether they're paying for it, their company's paying for it, if they've got the time to do it, <clears throat> to me. It's, it's a good thing. Um, now, I think when you get deeper into an interview process, if the person looks good and you bring them in, 
then you ask them, so what are the processes that you use? You know, how often do you use the PMBOK? That kind of thing. Because I think, I guess what I've found is everyone's kind of looking to learn. And if I'm looking to learn one specific thing and I want to put it on my resume and you think that it might be something that holds me back, I'd rather have a conversation about it. Oh, I like that angle. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense, right? Because I mean, you don't want to be, again, boxed in by just one designation or one way of thinking. So yeah, that's really smart. I I appreciate that. And I mean, that said too, like I, I support getting like an agile certification or scrum or product owner, like anything that, um, helps you kind of advance in your career is awesome. I think it's just more like, don't, don't maybe focus unless that's your goal. Don't focus too much on the fancy titles or the initials, right? Like is it going to help you? Are you going to continue to learn? I don't think any of us have a choice. I think in this kind of world we live in now, like technology is outpacing us. We have to be continuous learners. Right. Right. And like you said, I think, you know, some industries will require a certification um, and having a certification will get you to a certain pay grade. Um, So it makes sense in some industries to have that um, because it is an indicator of your expertise within that industry. I think you and I coming from digital, we have no real certification. Um, So we kind of pick from one thing or another. And and that's not a bad thing. Um, I think seeing that someone has a PMP um, as well as uh, a CSM, like a certified scrum master, uh, that shows me that there's range in the way that they work. Um, and there's maybe some curiosity and, and interest on their part, which to me is is a really good thing. Yeah. And actually, too, there's this whole other kind of angle on this, right? It's, I mean, when we think about medicine or we think about if you're going to be a, a working with a lawyer or any other um, fields, like you'd want people to have some level of understanding about right. how those processes <laughs> work, right? So, so it's like, instead of just like, I want the, you know, the piece of paper or the notoriety, it's like, I want... I want to continue to learn and I want this to evolve with us, this, this learning. So I, I think like project management's probably going to be going through some interesting changes, almost like that, that post adolescent change now where it's starting to, it's so important in our, in our industry, right? Like increasingly there's more jobs available for it. And I think that there are higher demands on running these types of projects because we're not just running like, okay, here's a marketing site. We are, we're like creating interfaces that are, might work with robots doing brain surgery. So, right. right. Like this stuff's getting serious. Yep. Yeah. And I think, I think you're right. I think it's, um, we've mentioned a couple of things that I think we're kind of pushing for in terms of project management as a practice in general. And that's, adaptability or flexibility. Um, and that comes through the, the previous conversation that we had about like things that you wish that you knew um, and strategy and, and thinking more big picture than on a, the task level. Um, but then I also think in terms of education, it's um, adaptability and flexibility in the things that you know and the things that you can employ to get a project done. And to me, that's that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. Have you been seeing sort of this this T-shaped skill set focus too, where it's like if you want to become a technical lead, like learn what you need to do to help with your development team and projects. And like if you're going to be focused in content, get, you know, get that under your belt. I really support that deep, deep learning and especially in one area because I find like anyone who's focused on too many um, like offerings, especially if you are agency side, it tends to get like you, you can't really do anything super great. You just do a lot of things pretty well. <laughs> yeah, you don't have like an expertise in one area. 
Um, I'm, I guess I'm seeing a little bit of that. Uh, I guess I'm used to more of the generalist PM who might have a little bit of knowledge about everything, um, and mm-hmm. that's fine. And then pulling in the people with the expertise to to answer questions or provide solutions for things that they don't know about. And I think that's okay too. Um, but I guess um, kind of where you're going with it, I, I agree. It's kind of like if you can go down a path where there is something that interests you or you're gaining more experience in an area, like use that, use that power to, to kind of better yourself in that area and be an expert in, within your organization. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I think it would actually help to sort of um, nudge companies and and the projects within those companies into a a different direction because Mm -hmm. it does have a lot to do with um, defining your boundaries and taking up the space that you should be as a PM. And I think as a strategic PM, like we can make a lot of profound, pretty big, important decisions um, for the company and the direction of those projects. So, for example, if you were going to focus on like, you know, AR, if that was something that you're really passionate about, you would see opportunities to to build out in areas where those things could actually benefit not just you, but your organization as well. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. So I want to kind of bring it back to, to training a little bit. So um, for those folks who are listening, don't know you run a digital PM apprenticeship called uh, louder than 10. Your company's called louder than 10. Can you just tell us kind of a little bit about the program that you're running? Maybe like the people a little about the program and, and the outcomes. Yeah, for sure. So it's uh, basically Louder Than 10 is there to kind of bridge the gap between the project management portion and then that operations and business development portion. So we started with a one-year apprenticeship and um, we're kind of focused on folks who they could either be juniors, they could be mid-levels, and these could be uh, I've been doing PM for a couple years or I've never done PM. I'm like very, very uh, new to it and just kind of helping them work through whatever their background is and connecting that back to the project management and strategic role. So for example, we have folks who did technical writing, some are in finance, some are more operations focused, and it's just kind of taking those strengths and then like buttoning them into this, um, what does a strategic project lead look like? So um, we are focusing on kind of supporting conversations around how would you build um, internally like a monthly recurring revenue model. So, you know, PMs are often told like you get this much time, this much budget, this much scope, or you have to define it. And that's that, right? So instead, how do we actually start having better conversations about um, prioritization and getting future phases built so that you're not just having to do everything all at once? Um, that smooths out cash flow for companies, which is a huge, huge expense, right? Especially when they might not have physical overhead anymore. It's just like, okay, pay for your office and pay for your people, right? Um we are, are supporting conversations around building like onboarding guides. So whether that's for your own employees or it's actually for uh, just working with your stakeholders, how can you make them feel welcome on a project and kind of warm them up? Um, some of our apprentices are doing some neat things around like defining and refining their QA handover processes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're you're building out just like better uh, documentation and like asking again devs and designers like what what's missing in our process. Uh, so I'm just really excited because um, we're kind of focused on building emotionally intelligent project leads and they're, they're just, they're there to try and close the gray areas between the pieces in their project life cycle. Yeah. I love that. It's not all about 
uh, process and tools. It's kind of the areas between those where a lot of the programs don't necessarily teach. So it feels like you're giving people real world, valuable experience and guidance to help them handle the trickier parts of situations or, or projects. Totally. You nailed it. So most of the the programs out there that I see, it's kind of like, okay, so do this step and then follow this step. And then after that, and it's like, yeah, but nothing goes according to plan. Right. So how are we going to deal with all of the, the other things that just like fall on us like waves and we're, our job is to basically dig ourselves out of those holes every single day. Right. So then looking at like, if you're a middle, which is basically your, your PM, you're responsible for the executives and, and all those inputs that they're getting. And then you're responsible for everyone working at the implementation level. How do you get yourself out of the middle and actually get those uh, groups talking better to each other, right? Yeah, so that yeah. you're not stuck there trying to mediate as well. Yeah. It's like you're, you've got this global view. You, you have an understanding of uh, like you mentioned earlier, op- the operations level that impacts the project level, that impacts the people and the processes that you use. It's um, it sounds really awesome, and I know that you're a trainer, which is probably a lot of fun for you, and also probably very gratifying because you're getting to teach people and see real world results. And I'm sure that your students love you because you obviously can relate to their their experiences because you've been in that position and you are currently managing projects. So you have a unique point of view. And, and I know you as a person, you've got a, a fun style of teaching and just communicating with people. So I'm wondering kind of what are the topics within project management that get you personally excited to talk about or teach? Thanks, Fred. I, I do love it. I love training. Um, so I, I think one of the things that I come back to over and over and over is, you know, we can do anything. Um, we don't often often stop to ask ourselves if we should do something, right? Uh, I, do you remember that Jurassic Park line? Um, I just forgot his name, but the the like the researchers like, you know, we we were so busy thinking about whether we could, we never stopped to ask if we should. <laughs> Mal- Malcolm uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm the worst with with movie references, but I get you. <laughs> okay, yeah. So so I think a lot of it comes back to looking at like how tech is getting so weird. Every day you you'll read something like, "Oh yeah, deep fakes in in video production." So we can't tell if a real human is actually speaking or if someone's just making them speak like a puppet. So we have a responsibility I think, in order to kind of guide and support better decision making around, yeah, we can, but should we? Um, And then I think too, that translates into like taking risks. So, you know, a lot of organizations, they shy away from the conversations around risk, but as soon as you realize like risk can be positive and negative. So if we focus on, well, how do we do more of the positive stuff, then suddenly you can change a conversation and people are more willing to take risks because they see like, oh, if we, you know, put our energy here, we can actually, you know, get closer to our goals anyways, and it's worth it. So those are a couple of the ones that I really love. Yeah, those are both really interesting. The risk one is an important one too, right? I mean, they're both important, but when it comes to risk, um, it's kind of like this unknown thing and there's no real like perfect way of teaching how to look out for a risk and how to handle a risk before it comes, Mm -hmm. it becomes an issue. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or tips on that topic that might kind of transform the way that people behave or think about communicating risk as a PM. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I think when we look at 
splitting um, conversations around risk into categories, what we say is, are you observing things happening? If you're observing things happening, then that is going to indicate that risks are probably going to happen, right? They're probably going to impact your project. They're probably going to have a pretty severe impact. So when you're looking at those things, you're trying to um, almost like simplify your next actions, right? So it's like, do I have the responsibility to respond or is this actually just a question that I need to ask to get more information? And really like the tips are just bringing the right people in at the right times Mm. and then like not feeling like you have to control the outputs on every part of your project. Things are going to get wily and weird and it's almost like just have a good conversation with stakeholders like, hey, risks are normal. They're going to happen. Here's what we want to do and here's how you can support that. If it doesn't work out, what do you think is the most important thing to you? Here's what's the most important to us. Yeah. What I, I love about that is, um, one, you said you can't control all risks. You can identify them, but you can't control them. So it's uh, almost like leading into a conversation with a stakeholder, kind of like you said, and identifying them. And, and I feel like in that situation, when you bring up a risk and it's well in advance of it actually becoming a big issue, you get to have an open dialogue about that thing before it becomes an issue. Um, And it most likely doesn't become a big issue because you're engaging other people outside of your PM brain to actually fix things. And I feel like so many PMs get caught up in this place where they feel like they have to control things and they'll look bad if they if they ask for help. But that feels like a very kind of light and easy way of asking for help without actually saying help. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're creating safety around the fact that real life happens and it's right. It's not like this, this like, uh Oh, I need to report that things are going wrong. Therefore I failed as a PM. It's like, this is normal. This is natural. And it's basically like the, the thing you can expect is weirdness and change and things to go off the rails. So it's like, how do we want to just have a better conversation about this? Yep. It's so funny. I feel like a lot of what you're doing in your programming, um, in, in your program, I'm sorry, is basically telling people, be yourself, right? <laughs> like, if, if you're I'm just gonna take that, <laughs> but, but it's true, isn't it? Right? Like, as a PM, we get so worried about things because there are details and problems and angry personalities every once in a while. And so you start to clam up. But if you kind of just take a relaxed approach, and explain your thinking and ask questions and generally just be yourself and be genuine, then you'll get the input of your team and your stakeholders and it'll it'll lower your stress levels and things will work a little bit easier. So it's not about the books and all of those things, right? It's, it's about picking up on cues and I guess acting on them. I love it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's amazing when you see, when you see a relaxed PM and you see their posture and you see how they talk and their cadence. I mean, you feel as a stakeholder supported and you know that they're not hiding anything from you. They're being completely transparent and, and supporting you in where you need to go. And I mean, I agree with you. I think if more PMs were able to just say, like, who do I want to be around these people on my project? Who do I want to, you know, how do I want to relax into that? Like we would have so much less fear built into the conversation around project management. Yep. And you don't have to have that fear because part of being relaxed or the reason you can be relaxed is because you're in command of the facts and the data and the issues. So you've got an eye out for things all the time. Awesome. I think 
we are kind of talking more about what we think the perfect PM would be versus education, but I think they're kind of the same thing, which is cool. Yeah, I completely they're, they're agree. They're intertwined, right? Yeah. Okay, so thinking about your students and even your own experience as a project manager, things that you hear from the community, I wonder if there are any kind of like resources that you go to, like classes, books, events, meetups, anything that you feel like has helped you in your past and things that you might even recommend to to students or apprentices uh, for the future. Yeah. So because PM is such a lonely career path at times, I definitely recommend connecting with other people. There's lots and lots of local meetups that are popping up and not just meetups for PM, but like anything in the, in the tech vertical, you're going to learn a ton, right? They have, you know, ones for business analysis or they have ones for product development. Um, so definitely check those out. I'd say in terms of conferences, obviously go to the digital project management summit. It's like one of the best PM events. And if you're in the UK, I think they still have, um, the delivery conference. So that's another really great one. I'm hoping Canada is going to pick up and have a few more conferences in the near future. Um, but then I think like in terms of uh, reading, some of the books that I found really valuable, uh, even just like cross-checking my own knowledge and things that I recommend to our apprentices all the time, um, I'd say that that interactive project management book by Nancy Lyons, um, it's fantastic. I think I'm it's Pixels, People and Process, I think. I could be missing that. But um, then the like Cotter's change management books were really valuable. So like our iceberg is melting to kind of talks about how do you roll change out in, an, in your organization when it's really, really difficult. Um, and then like a quick bite-sized read, the checklist manifest manifesto by Atul Gawande is so great. It really helps you uh, understand like what the value of knowing the, the names of the people on your team are. How does that impact like in a, in a surgical environment? How does that impact that? the process, but for you, you as well. Um, and then of course, like you got to read Brett's book, project management for humans is definitely, um, it's an amazing read and it works for people who are newer to PM or actually they've been doing it for a while. So, and Brett didn't even pay me to say that. And you're a part of the book too. You wrote an excerpt in the book. So it's a glowing, glowing recommendation from you. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a terrific book, Brett. I love it. (laughs) All right. So those are awesome resources. Thank you for that. You brought up something um, that uh, about events and meetups that I want to kind of bring up in the context of our last question. So in the last question of the podcast, we always um, try to keep with the theme time limit. Um, And I want to talk about continuing education when you're strapped for time. So Uh, Personally, as a meetup organizer, um, I have seen this. I'm sure that you've seen it as well. But, you know, people will RSVP to your meetup events um, and then they'll back out at the last minute because they've just got too much work on their plate, too much to do. Um, So they end up missing the event, which is an opportunity for them to basically continue to learn and to network with like-minded people, kind of like what we talked about before. And I've just seen it so many times, and I feel like it's such a bummer, not only as the organizer, because less people show up at your event, but because you know people are missing out on golden opportunities that are free learning, right? Um, But I kind of feel like it's a reality of the role, right? Project managers are always busy, and work always comes first. So long preamble there just to kind of ask you if you've got any tips for people who are looking for ways to learn, but they've got less time on their hands. Like they can't go to events, you know, what are ways that they can continue to learn? Yeah. I mean, so first and foremost, like 
there's this sort of counterintuitive knowledge around like maybe read a little less right now and focus a little bit more on asking what's working and making you feel bad in your current situation just so that you can identify like what kind of support is most helpful because PMs are so hard on themselves and they really are required to be I mean a lot of times on call more than other teammates right so if you can kind of like figure out what, what your, I guess that little tiny voice inside of you is asking for, then sometimes like just, just go to the people, the peers that you trust, um, you know, get to know a few, well, get to know as many PMs as you can, but some fantastic PMs that you can just like ask a message in a Slack channel and, you know, you'll get like eight or 10 responses that are all varied and they all build on one another. So if you can't like keep all those 10 or 20 Slack channels open, just know that your voice is not in an echo chamber. You know, there are people there that they're going through what you're going through and they're going to be there to support you. Um, sometimes they'll send you the helpful article. So you're, it's very timely and it's relevant and it's not just like, I have to go through this RSS feed of a thousand articles. Um, I think really what it comes down to is just knowing that self-care is actually self-discipline, right? It's not like a self-indulgence thing. So, um, you know, even though we are, we definitely need to understand and re do a lot of uh, education for our professional development, we can't get lost in, you know, just the, just the theory and the reading. And I think when you can kind of put yourself first, it's, it's, really a necessity so that you're not going to burn out and then take, you know, all that reading that you did is, is only going to just go down the drain because you're so tired and you have no room to actually apply it. So I'd say like be more thoughtful about, um, how you are getting that information and like asking your peers for support and being like, I don't need this. I just need this. Can you help? <laughs> I love it. I love the idea that self-care is self-discipline because I think a lot of PMs forget about that. So being disciplined about, your learning or the time off that you need to take is important and you shouldn't forget that. Yeah. We sometimes we just need to shut it off. You know, we don't allow ourselves that very often. Very true. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining me on time limit. This has been awesome. Thanks Fred. I always have fun when we talk. Me too. Hopefully I get to talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. All right. Well, that's a wrap on that conversation. As you probably picked up, Rachel and I are really good friends with a ton in common, particularly when it comes to PM education. I think you should check out Louder Than 10 for their program, but also for all the amazing content that they create and the links to valuable PM resources that they've taken the time to round up and share. I should also note that the resources mentioned in this episode are listed in the show notes on the Time Limit website, so definitely check that out. So that's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, we'd really appreciate a positive review in iTunes or where you get time limit. Thanks again. Thank you.